guys, welcome to the Take a Seat, Not a Side podcast with your hosts, Kelsey and Brian. This is the podcast where we ask you to take a seat, but not a side. Unless it's mine. No, mine. So that interview went well, hey? Definitely. So yesterday we interviewed my father, Bob. Father Bob. (laughs) He is not a Catholic priest. He is, in fact, my father named Bob. He is our first guest on the podcast. That's exciting, right? Definitely. Again, oh my gosh, do I know any other words? Um... I think it's cool because obviously your dad's in the UP and we're in Wisconsin. So like we really didn't know how it was going to go and it turned out so good. I'm very excited for you guys to hear it. And this opens up so many opportunities for us to have more guests, which we have a couple lined up already that we're really excited for you guys to hear. So yeah, we have got some very talented friends and we're looking forward to Letting them share their stories on our podcast, you know, hearing more about what what they do. And I think you guys will like it. Definitely. Oh, my gosh. Drink every time Kelsey says definitely. When did that become my new favorite word? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Speaking of drink, we are doing our first beer review in in a couple weeks. Last week, we did wine, which wasn't Brian's favorite, but it was okay. And then the week before that, we did coffee drinks and matcha tea, which was definitely not Brian's favorite. Not even close. Gosh, I'll never hear the end of the matcha tea. Um, And this week, like you said, we're doing a beer review. Do you want to go first? Sure. So I am drinking a beer. It's called Patasi, the good old Patasi. It is a golden ale. Brewed in Potosi, Wisconsin. Do you know where Potosi, Wisconsin is? No. Is this trivia? Because I'm going to fail. It is the furthest west you can get before you get to the Mississippi River and then across to the Iowa border. Did you know that Wisconsin even touched the Mississippi River? Honestly, you're asking me that question. What do you think the answer is? (laughs) Where did you think the Mississippi River was? In Mississippi. So this beer here, I'll just read the description. It's a golden ale with a delicate malt flavor and sweet finish, light in body, full in flavor. When locals ask for it, they ask or they say, I'll have a Potosi. I just poured a glass. It is a, pours pretty golden, pretty clear. It looks like it's going to be pretty light. Uh, There's no head at all to it. It's only 4.5% in alcohol, so I'm just not expecting much much to this. Wow, real quick. You sounded like the best ad for that beer in the beginning, and then it slowly just went downhill when you're like, I'm not expecting much from it. You mean much like boldness, right? Because it's not dark. Just not much flavor. And there, I mean, I mean it kind of tastes like a PBR. Which, if I was going to drink, I'd rather just get the PBR for probably half the price. Might have to try it. 
actually don't have anything too different either myself. Um, I'm really a big fan of hard seltzer seltzers. Sorry, hard seltzers. Um, as you saw last week, Brian got me mango white claws. Um, so I decided to try Coors has their own seltzers now. So we've got White Claws, Truly's, but Light came out with one, and now Coors has one. Interestingly enough, Coors is 90 calories, so 10 less calories than your typical White Claw. I know they make the White Claws that are, like, super low in calorie, but still, if you are watching your calories, definitely interesting to know. Um, I've had a lot of seltzers in my day, like I said, so let's see how it compares. actually pretty good it tastes like a more like a beer like a flavored beer than it really does a seltzer oh you're not tricking me into that well i don't think you'd like it anyways you don't like fruity beers but it tastes like a it's very carbonated i feel like it's more carbonated than like i don't know a white claw or a truly for sure but pretty good if you poured me this and told me it was a PBR, I would not challenge you. Tastes just like a PBR? I don't know. I guess I haven't had PBR in a while, but. Well, and you like PBRs, but you also like them because they're like $3 for four of them. Or something ridiculously cheap like that. Yeah, I'm going to give this a... I mean, for a microbrew, I'm going to give this a... Five one, like it's it's fine, nothing special. Not, it's not matcha tea bad, but I would never <laughs> I would never buy this in a six pack. So, on a scale on a scale of Guinness to matcha tea, where does this beer fall? <laughs> That's a wide scale. <laughs> I really wanted to like this a lot because poor little Potassi. It's a town of six hundred and eighty eight people. Like they deserve to have a good beer, but doesn't sound like it's bad necessarily just nothing life-changing what are you gonna score yours um i mean i would say for a seltzer pretty high like a maybe like a seven i've had some bad seltzers and i know you're thinking like oh everything just tastes the same honestly i'm not a huge fan of trulies i think they taste like water which at least I want to have some flavor to my drink, you know. Um, unpopular opinion, I'm sure. There's a lot of people that love Trulies. That's fine. I just don't think they're very good. I would definitely say it's a little more carbonated than like the Bud Light seltzers. So if you like a little extra carbonation, it's definitely a good one. Um, but I'd say it's pretty good, like a seven. Yeah. And then alongside the beer review, we also drew two more movies to watch this week. We've watched one of them, so we'll talk about it now. The other one we're going to watch and talk about it on our next live, which will be Wednesday at 7 is usually when we try to do it. The movie that we watched last night was called Escanaba in the Moonlight. It's funny, I went to school in the UP, and Brian is born and raised in the UP, but neither of us had ever seen this movie. Escanaba's a town, town, 
City, Providence, <laughs> in the UP. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting that we had never seen it. It was a weird movie. We'll go with that. Um, Brian doesn't really like that kind of humor to begin with. Like, that's one of the reasons he says he won't watch Family Vacation because he doesn't think – or, sorry, Christmas Vacation – um, because he doesn't think he really will enjoy it because he doesn't really like that kind of humor. So when I first looked up the movie to like put it on the TV, I was like, oh, no, he's not going to like this because it's that kind of humor. It's that, what do you call it, like slap shop? Well, <laughs> slap. <laughs> slapstick, but it's not really slapstick either. Slapstick would be like Three Stooges, like really, really stupid comedy. This like borders, kind of borders on that, but. Really a little bit, though. I, I don't think. I thought it was funny. I mean, it's first of all, it's only an hour and a half, so it doesn't really have to hold your attention for very long. Um, it was funny, but it was just kind of like weird at the same time. But it was entertaining. Like it kept it kept me entertained. I wasn't bored. I mean, but it's like weird. I mean, we'll put up a spoiler alert. Like alien invasions and weird, like visions and people getting into a trance. Like it was just kind of like strange. But did you get it? It's because of the drink they drank, I think. Well, that's where, yeah, that's where I was going to go with this. Like I can't tell if, I can't tell what the alien invasions were all about. Is that just trying to signify to us how drunk they were? Like they were just so drunk out of their minds that they were talking about alien invasions? Well, I think it's that she mixed up like that drink that was supposed to help them like hunt and everything, but there was all that weird stuff in it. So it's almost like, was it like a drug? Like, were they kind of like in a drug, like trance or something? And that's why they were envisioning all that stuff. Were they envisioning it kind of thing? So, I mean, he got his first buck. Woohoo. Oh, okay. Now you're really giving spoilers. Well, we're going to put up a little warning, like, if you haven't seen it and you don't want it ruined for you, I don't think, pay attention. <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to be mad if we spoil Escanaba into Moonlight. In fact, you're welcome. Now you don't have to watch it. <laughs> Once again, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad, though. We're being dramatic. It wasn't bad. It just wouldn't be, like, our first pick. Like, I wouldn't rewatch it, you know? It had potential. I think I think there were some funny parts about it. Like they really got some cool parts about the UP deer camps that any Uper grew up going to and whatnot. But yeah, I, maybe UP deer deer camps are just too boring for Hollywood. But they really took it weird, and the weird stuff is I don't know. I don't think the weird stuff made it any better. So I don't know why it was in there. I feel like it was just kind of your typical UP stuff, too. First of all, they mentioned lining kugels. That's made in Wisconsin. That's not even really a UP thing. Wisconsin is not the UP. Let me repeat those for those in the back that believe it is. The UP is not part of Wisconsin. Sorry. Um, But also just, like, kind of took your typical UP stuff that, like, anybody that's not from the UP would already know, like the Patsy's. Pasties. Pasties. I'm not from the UP, can you tell? Um, 
the little like A's that they throw up and everything. A A A. People from the UP really don't talk like that. Also, be yeah, some do. I mean, if you actually went to a deer camp for a weekend, there's some heavy UP accents. But I feel like your parents have very heavy UP accents. You have a very heavy UP accent, and I. Wow, that's a tongue twister, by the way. Heavy UP accent. Um, I feel like you don't ever say that. You say more like, you know. Well, that, yeah. They say that in the movie, too. Use guys. Use guys. I don't know. I don't feel like it felt very youper. Yeah, I disagree. I think that they, that's one part I think they got pretty right was, I mean, they went overboard a little bit. But everyone knows the youpers that have those accents, and it's it's legit. Real quick, I did love, like, the superstitions. Because I've never been to a deer camp, but I can imagine this is the way it goes down. Is like, the one guy was like, no, I must have this for dinner, and I must drink this. And I've been wearing the same shirt for the past 20 years. Like, he has, like, his superstitions that allow him to, like, shoot a deer. It was pretty funny. He was, like, wearing a shirt that was way too small for him because he's had it for, like, 15 years or something like that, so. Yeah, I was never a hunter, so I'm not really, I can't confirm or deny that, but I'm sure that there's some superstitions that go in it. The last thing I thought was neat about it was I originally saw that the uh, lead actor was Jeff Daniels, and he's a pretty famous Hollywood actor, and then I saw that their budget was $1 million, which is minuscule so we were talking like all that money probably had to go to him but then how do they how do you make a movie well looking a little bit more into it jeff daniels is actually the writer the director the screenplay writer and obviously the lead actor so he just kind of it's his movie so i guess that's why he was able to act is he from the up that would be interesting to know. That's a good question. So he is born in Athens, Georgia, but he actually went to Central Michigan University. But, like, where does the interest in the UP come from? Clearly he was interested, otherwise he wouldn't have gone through all the trouble and the financials of making the movie. Maybe they vacationed up there or something. Yeah, most likely. My mom went to Central Michigan. How old is he? 66. Oh, that's older than my mom. She would not appreciate me telling you her age, but I'll just say that's older than my mom. Okay, so I think we'll wrap up that movie review. We're going to be doing a lot more of those, so if there's any that you want us to try to pull out of the bucket... Send us a message, comment, we'll throw it in there, and we'll draw every other week or so and give it a review. And I'll just let you know, in the live, we're going to be reviewing The Sandlot, which is the other movie that we drew. And I haven't seen that movie in a really long time, so I'm interested to rewatch it. Uh, Yeah, we're going to go into the interview with Father Bob.
Hi, Dad. Hello, Brian. Hi, Bob. So people got a early look at some of your stories the other day. I had to upload our practice room because I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah, I was I was I was surprised that you uploaded that. I thought we were just testing our sound equipment. I got some good feedback though. I had some people reach out to me, tell me that they're looking for more more Bob stories. So glad you're back. Yeah, it's good to be here. Uh, I'm like your first guest or something. I feel I feel honored. They want more Bob. Well, what would you like to hear? Well, first, we didn't do this last time because we were just practicing, and Kelsey and I know who you are, but why don't you introduce yourself and give us a little background? All right. Well, I'm Bob Halverson. I'm Brian's father. I've been his father for his entire life, <laughs> and I, uh, Kelsey's father-in-law, I used to call her Chelsea at first, and she always corrected me. took me a few True. times meeting her to get her name right. I don't know why I was stuck on Chelsea, but once I get something in my head, I I go with it till somebody says, no, it's not Chelsea, it's Kelsey. It is a unique name, I'll give you that. Well, yeah, I guess it's a little unique. It's not too unique, no more than Chelsea, but for some reason, the first time I met you, I thought he said Chelsea, so that's what I went with for a while. You know, like an old dog can't teach him new tricks. Well, what's funny about that, too, is your dog's name was Elsie. So when I first came over, every time you guys would tell Elsie something, I thought you were saying Kelsey. So you'd be like, Elsie, don't bite. And I'm sitting there like, oh, I didn't. Like, what? <laughs> <laughs> You're used to. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, Elsie and Kelsey and and Kylie. Kylie's your dog. So Brian had a, he had a Kelsey and Elsie and a Kylie. He had to keep track of them. So more background. More background. Well, what do you want to know what I did for a living? I was a police officer for 30 years, retired 10 years ago, living a good life. I guess that's what they call it. From the UP, born and raised in the UP. I lived out on the East Coast for a little while, but uh, we moved back. I moved back here in 78, been here ever since. And you're a Wakefield boy that fell in love with the Besmer girl, right? Yeah, that was... Uh, Around eighty, nineteen eighty, it was kind of, it was kind of love at first sight, I guess you'd call it. She didn't even Aww. notice me, but she didn't notice me. I ended up falling on her. I went to use the telephone, and I was, I was, my sister told me, when I go to the bar on a weekend, if there's a crowd, call her and let her know. And there was a nice crowd that night, so I uh, went to the phone, which is right where Lori was sitting. I had a real, it was one of them wall phones, had a real short metal cord, so you had to lean over the bar. But it just so happened that I got to lean right next to Lori, who, again, didn't pay no attention to me. She was busy talking to her girlfriends. Well, my foot slipped off that little stool that the bars have that you put your feet on when you're sitting at a bar stool. My foot slipped. And just as my foot slipped, my sister asked me, well, who's all there? And as she was asking me that, I was falling, and I landed in Lori's lap. And I'm looking up at her. And she looked down at me like, what the heck's going on here? And I says, my sister wants to know your name. And she said, Lori. And I said, Lori's here. 
She says, Laurie, who? And I said, she wants to know your, she wants to know your last name. She goes, who? I said, my sister wants to know your last name. She says, Kabianka. I said, Laurie Kabianka. So Joanne, my sister, who couldn't figure out what was going on, and neither could Laurie. So my, my sister asked me, who's Laurie Kabianka? I said, it's the girl whose lap I'm laying in talking to you. Laurie just looked, Laurie's just looking down at me like, what kind of creep is this? I guess I don't know what she was thinking. She claims all these years later that I fell on purpose, and I didn't. I had no, I had no move after the phone call. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to get her attention because her back here, she had her back to me, kind of. She had her head turned, and I thought I'm not making no impression on this girl. Then my foot slipped, and I landed in her lap, and it's a good thing that happened because. I didn't have I didn't have a plan B. I didn't have any good moves back then. <laughs> so had I not slipped, and like I say, it was not intentional. I, it was a total accident. I don't know what I would have done. Did you say it was a weekday or a weekend? It was a weekend. It was a, probably a Friday or Saturday. On Saturday, the bar we used to go to was uh, it was called Gabby's Bar, and occasionally they'd have music. And when they had music, live band. The place would fill up, and it was a lot of fun. There was a lot of dancing and a big crowd. And if they didn't have music, it'd just be the, the smaller, everyday crowd, like me and my friends. So Joanne, my sister, would always say, they hate to get all dressed up and go down there and find it boring. So call, let me know if there's a crowd or not. So there was uh, not much of a crowd. There was no music that night, but I figured I better call my sister anyway, seeing the phone is right next to where... This girl was sitting that I just happened to notice, and uh, well, I guess the rest is history. That was after you were in the Navy, right? Oh, yeah. That was, uh, I got in the Navy in 74, I think it was, 70, end of 73, 74, and I didn't meet her till like 80. I heard a funny story about you in the Navy that I had never heard before. When I told... Lori that I was going to have you on the podcast she said that you should tell the Navy one and she told me it and I I thought it was hilarious I thought the ending I mean I can just picture you in that situation Kelsey's never heard it do you mind telling us I was just gonna say I've been waiting to hear this story I've been waiting to hear this story because I wanted to hear it first on the podcast because I want to have a genuine reaction was it the toothache story yes the whole thing. All right. Yeah, some of the details are a little sketchy because that was back in 72. But anyway, we were out at sea. And normally you go out to sea two, three weeks. And you go to a port. You go out two, three weeks. You go to a port. And we were out out to sea. And I got an abscess tooth on my left side. And it kind of just started as a toothache, which I just took pain meds for. But then a couple of days later, my whole side of my left side of my face was swollen like I had a tennis ball in my mouth. So we got to port and he sent me right to a, I thought it was going to be a dentist. It turned out not to be a dentist. It turned out to be a hospital. And I don't think they even had dentists in this town we were at. I think it was Recife, Brazil, I think. I'm not sure. I think that was the city. Anyway, I get sent to this hospital and this doctor and he looked like uh, one of them... Uh, bandits you see like on a Clint Eastwood movie he had a big black mustache and looked just like a bandito but anyway he looks at my mouth and he takes me into the basement it's kind of an empty basement there's really nothing in there some pile cabinets 
and this big wooden chair that had arms on it. Uh, and and he's with two nuns. And they sit me down <laughs> in this chair. And you know, I was in so much pain, I wasn't paying much attention. But then each nun grabs an arm. And they pin me to the chair. The doctor comes in with this drill and drills a hole in my tooth and drains my, then he's pressing on my cheek, draining everything. And, you know, no, no Novocaine or nothing. It was like, Ew. my God, I can't survive this. And they were just holding me. I couldn't get up. And he took his, the doc took his left hand and put me against the back of the chair, his real high back chair, and just took a drill and just right up and hurt. Well, then, for some reason, I don't know, they sent me uh, to a hospital room, and they had me spend the night, I guess. I, I don't remember how long I stayed there. I think I spent the night. And But they put me in this room, and it was real sparsely, uh, sparse furniture. There's just a couple beds, and there was, it wasn't like a hospital you'd see today. And they put me in this bed, and next to me was this other bed. And this young uh, Brazilian kid was there, and he had a chessboard on a table. And I had just had my face all distorted from this drill and these nuns and everything. And he asked if he's kind of, he didn't speak English, I didn't speak Spanish. And he pointed to the chessboard. Well, I didn't want to play chess, <laughs> but I, I, I didn't want to offend him or hurt his feelings, so I said, Okay, and I played a game of chess, and I was in so much pain. And like I say, there's no Novocaine. It was just pure pain. And then as we're sitting there, in comes a nurse with a plate. And on it was a, a chicken thigh and leg uh, and some white rice. And she talks to me. You know, it's in Spanish. She's indicating that this is my supper. Well, there's no way I could eat, but I didn't, again, want to hurt her feelings, so I'm trying to eat on my right side of my mouth, trying to get this chicken in my mouth and play chess. And I'm thinking, oh, how can I be in this situation? So the next day, this black, uh, the car picks me up, and they're big black Navy cars. They're for official business, usually, and medical things. So anyway, I was a medical thing, so they picked me up, and the three, we've come onto the dock, and there's three ships there that we sailed with around South America. Mom said they were limousines, right? Yeah, they're big limousines because they're usually made, they're usually there for admirals or the captains of the ships. I mean, nobody else really uses them. Each base has a couple, I guess. I don't know. I've never been on one until that day. But you figured just because it's a medical thing, you just figured it was for you? Well, it was for me. They come to the hospital and pick me up and uh, drive me back to the ship. I get onto the dock, so the piers are long. They're a couple blocks long because these ships are huge. And as I'm pulling up, as we're pulling onto the dock, all the ships go to attention. The band starts playing, and the driver says, Oh my God, they think you're the admiral. <laughs> he said, uh, He's scheduled to visit today, too. So I roll my window down. I'm waving to everybody. I got my work clothes on, my light blue work shirt, and my dark blue uh, bell bottom pants that sailors wore to work in. And everybody's saluting me, and the band's playing, and I'm just playing it all up. I'm waving to people. <laughs> so we get to the end. We get to the end of the pier, and I go. I go to get out, and all my friends on a the ship. They're like, they're they think it's hilarious. 
here where they're expecting the admiral outsteps me in my work clothes. And just about that time, the admiral's car pulls in under, comes onto the dock. So the band leader, who was, I was right next to the band, he takes me and he shoves me in the back of the band. He says, just stay back here. Don't move. Don't, don't let the admiral see you. So I'm back there, you know, no instrument or nothing. I'm in there in my blue uniform. Everybody else is in there, what they call dress whites. And the band starts playing again, and the admiral comes down, and ships go back to attention. And it was all pomp and circumstances after that for the admiral. Were they playing the Navy song, An- Anchors Away? Anchors away, my boys. They probably played a few songs, but that was one of them. And then my admiral got, get a, you know, he parks his car, they hurried, shoved me. Uh, when he when his car parked, he wasn't driving. When his car parked, they took me and they shoved me up the gangplank to my ship. And and our officers, especially my immediate officer, he was kind of yelling at me. I said, oh, "It ain't my fault. I just came back from the hospital." And he said, "Well, get get inside." He says, "You're not in the dress whites." And you know, I got kind of my butt chewed for no fault of my own, other than make, make other than they felt stupid. So they took it out on me. Well, to be fair, you're waving out the window. <laughs> well, I was waving because they were, they were saluting me. I was a seaman, I don't know, maybe a third class. But anyway, I was yeah, I was waving to people. They were, I knew they weren't there to honor me for getting my abscess tooth hooked. But, uh, but it was nice to be appreciated, right, Bob? Yeah, I had three ships, and you know, each ship has about 300 guys on it. And I'm just waving to them, and they're looking at me like, who the heck is that? Except for your friends. Your friends are looking at you saying, hey, look, it's Bob. Yeah, they thought it was hilarious. Hey, that's Bob in there. They were they were having a good old time with it, and you know, I had fun with that for a while. I said, I kind of enjoyed it. Maybe I'll become an admiral. I'll become an admiral. I enjoyed the pomp and circumstance. I enjoyed everybody saluting me. The officers didn't think it was very funny. There's some motivation for you to move up the ranks. Yeah, well, I got out a year later, but it was uh, it was different, and I got in trouble for it, but it was fun. Worth it. Worth every worth every penny. You see where I'm going with this one? Pennies, the pennies. Penny story. Penny story. You remember the penny story, Dad? I remember most of it. There's one part I I it gets I, I don't know how it happened, but I can tell the story from what I remember. Is, again, you were about five years old, so that was how how many years ago? Long time. I think I was coming home from work, and your mother and the three kids. Brady was probably about maybe eight or nine, and Bobby Joe was probably about seven, and you were about five. And you're all loading into the car, and she said, you want to come with us? I said, yeah, I'll go for a ride. Where are you going? And she, Mom said, we're going to the video store to rent a game deck and a couple games. And I said, okay, I'll go. So we pull up to the video store, and she hands me this treasure chest, which you guys used to throw pennies in. Everybody, all of us, we all threw our pennies in this treasure chest, and it was... It was about the size of a gallon of milk, and it was full of pennies. And I said, what am I supposed to do with this? And she said, well, they want to use this to get their game. There should be enough to rent a game. And I'm thinking, oh, God, I wish I hadn't come. But anyway, we go in there. You guys pick out a game. 
you pick out a deck and then you pick out a couple games and we go up to the counter and I said I guess I told the girl that working I said I guess we're paying with pennies she goes, that's okay so here we are the four of us counting out pennies Brady's counting out pennies like a typical 10 year old Bobby Joe's doing a little doing her job not as good as Brady I'm counting them as fast as I can and Brian's standing next to me counting out loud and I said Brian don't count out loud you're messing me up I'd get up to like 79 80 Brian over there three four <laughs> I said Brian stop don't count out loud you can't count out loud you're screwing me and Brady and Bobby Joe up we'd all start over again I look back and there's a line forming behind us well, four people in line waiting to pay for their purchases. And to be clear, the bill wasn't a dollar or two. It's probably at least, probably around 10 bucks to rent a system, right? It was over 15. We would have had to count out 1,500 pennies, and we couldn't even get to 100. I'd get close to 100, but then you'd be over there seven, eight, nine, and I'd be all messed up. I'd, <laughs> but finally, I just told you, Brian, you go, go go somewhere else so the three of us were counting and i look back and you know all these people are standing in line you know like oh my god they got to count out 1500 pennies and this girl that's a counter was like shaking her head so i thought ah i'll just write a check so i got my checkbook i wrote a check and i wrote the check for two games and a game deck and i think the whole thing came to like 15 and change and i told brady take the pennies back out to the to the car and i'll be right out I will figure as long as I'm there, I might as well rent a movie too, something I want to see. So I'm standing, looking at movies. The kids are all back in the car, waiting. And all of a sudden I hear on a window, big picture window, pound, 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 pound. I look over and there's Laurie, pantomiming with her hands over her mouth like she's yelling, but no sound. And she yells and she's saying, why didn't you use the pennies? And I just shook my head and I waved her off like, I'll talk to you later. So I'm looking back at the movies, pound, 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 pound. I look over there again. Now she's opened her mouth wider, but no sounds coming out. Why didn't you use the pennies? And I just kind of, like two hands, I just kind of like, go, get away. Get away from the window. So I go back to look at our movies, pound, 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 pound. So in my frustration and probably anger, I look at her, and nobody else in the store can see her because there's this little corner there. And I just, I just put my hands up in the air and says, what? What do you want? Why didn't you use the pennies? <laughs> and I said, get in the car. Get in the car, I yell at her. Well, then I look around. People are looking at me like, Who's he yelling at? <laughs> this guy's going crazy right in front of us. I think you're the math magician and a beautiful mind. Just talking to your imaginary friends. Yeah. And I'll, then I'll, I'm waving I'm waving my imaginary friend off, and then I'm starting yelling at him. <laughs> Finally, I thought, okay, I'm not even going to get a movie. I'm just, I, I don't want a movie. I made a fool out of myself. This whole time, you're in your police uniform, right? No. No, I was off duty. I had come home uh, from somewhere. I don't know where I was. So anyway... We got in the car, and Laurie asked me. I said, because you can't count out 1,500 pennies with three kids, Laurie. I was trying to explain that to her. She said, well, you could have tried. I said, we tried. You ever try to count 1,500 pennies next to a five-year-old? And uh, So she she was kind of disappointed I didn't use the pennies. 
But I said, I wrote a check. Don't worry about it. It's taken care of. And I was a little frustrated, a little perturbed. And she said, well, I still think you should have used the pennies. Well, no, I didn't use the pennies. Lori. We'll use them for some other thing. So the next day I come home from work. And she said, oh, she said, the kids, the games are due. Can you, uh, can you return the games? I said, yeah, I suppose. So I grabbed the games and the place was up in Ironwood, Angelo's by Angelo's Pizza, where we rented it from. I walk in there. Now I, oh, and I, was, I came home for supper. I was on duty this time. I came home for supper. And she says, you know, when you leave, can you run up to Ironwood? I said, yeah. So I take the games. I'm in, I'm on, in my sheriff's department uniform. I walk in there. Place is full. I set the two games down on a counter. And I go to walk out. I get to the door. The girl says, sir, sir. I'm thinking, oh, please don't be talking to me. What can go wrong? All I'm doing is dropping two games off. I look back. She's looking at me. She says, can you come here? I'm thinking, oh, jeez. I said, what? What's the problem? She goes, these aren't our games. I said, what do you mean they're not your games? We got them here last night. She says, they're not ours. I said, they got to be yours. I was here. We rented them. Remember I was here with those three little kids who were trying to count out pennies? She says, I do remember that. I said, so we rented the games. She goes, no, but these aren't ours. Your wife came back with the kids, and they uh, returned them games. I said, well, who do these belong to? She says, the other video store, which is downtown Ironwood. She goes, they go there, and they close in five minutes, so you better hurry. Are you going to be paying for these games another night? So I hop in my squad car, and I go downtown. I walk in right a minute past closing. And I said, these games go here? And the girl said, yeah, but technically you're a minute late. We should charge you for another day. <laughs> just what I you said, want to hear. Just what I want to hear, yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, jeez. I said, I went to the wrong store. I said, I, I thought they went to the other video store. I said, I apologize. She said, well, okay, she says, but remember, we close at 5 from now on. So I dropped the games off. I go home, and I told Lori, the strangest thing just happened. The games we rented last night aren't even from that video store. She goes, oh, I forgot to tell you. The kids didn't like them games, so I returned them. We went to the other video store, and they found some other ones. I said, well, wouldn't it have been nice for you to tell me that? You tell me to return games, but you don't tell me where they go. So I'm in there in uniform, on duty, being told that you must be an idiot, sir, because you're at the wrong video store. I'm thinking, how 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 can this stuff always happen to me? You almost got late fees, and you would have had to pay those late fees with a gallon of pennies. I guarantee you that mom did not use the pennies when she brought us to the store the second time. <laughs> oh, no, probably definitely not. Why she asked me to go to first the first place because she knew she was sending me in with that treasure chest of pennies. But you know she would do. I remember one time I came home from work for supper at five o'clock, and usually my I try to plan supper around five. That's when there was nothing going on. And I get to the house and our we had that big council TV back then. And our council TV half of it's on the front steps and half of it's in the front porch, like the TV was trying to leave. <laughs> and I can't get in because the TV's in the way. And I'm wondering, what the heck's going on here? Somebody break into our house and ripping off our TV. So I'm yelling, anybody home? Nobody answered. I go to the side door. Nobody around. No note, no nothing. Just a TV that's half in and half out. So I figured, well, you know, there's no supper. There's TV's half in, half out. I don't know if it was going in or going out, but so I left. Came back half hour later and 
mom had the TV in her front yard. And I said, what's, what's going on? She goes, oh, the kids wanted movie night in the front yard. I said, well, why was the TV half in and half out and nobody here? She goes, oh, we realized it was getting late. So we figured we better get to the video store. But, I mean, that's just some of the stuff I used to come home to. Like, <laughs> TV half in the door. And then it wasn't like a portable one like today's flat screen. It was one, one of them big, huge consoles. I couldn't move it. She had all the neighborhood kids, apparently. And so they had TV, movies outside. And then everybody went home when the movies were over. And I said, well, the TV's still outside. She goes, yeah, can you bring it in? I said, I can't lift that TV myself. So I had to struggle to get that thing back in the house. I couldn't sit outside overnight. Oh, my God. And ironically, that is not the best TV in the yard story that you have. And I'm a part of the next one. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, the, the remit sale. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, you were part of this. You were a lot older. Just a I don't few think years I know ago. this. Oh, yeah, you do. Was, I, I knew you when this happened, I think. Yeah, we had a big rummage sale. We had, I don't know, for some reason we had like seven TVs, seven uh, the older kind with the big back. And we were selling them for like $5 each. None of them sold. We were selling them for $2. None of them sold. We put it down to $1. None of them sold. Well, our rummage sale ended. We still had all these TVs. So the next day I put them out in front of the house on the main road. I put all these TVs there. I think there's like five or six. I don't know how many. And I put a sign on there, free. I thought people come and take these TVs. Next day, nobody took them. Covered them up. We spent the night there. And then mom says, well, I want to keep one of them TVs. They didn't all go. I said, none of them went. She says, well, I said, which one do you want? She goes, I don't know. She says, bring them back to the back of the house and I'll, uh, I'll look at them tomorrow. So I'm hauling all these TVs back to the back of the house, put them on uh, some sawhorses and boards, and I put all the TVs so she could look through them. Next day, I come home from work, and I go to get the TVs. They're all gone. I thought, well, what the heck? I put them outside for free. Nobody wants them. So we decided we want them, and somebody comes and steals them all. I said, how can that be? What are the odds of that happening? Somebody steals all the TVs that I couldn't give away the day before. So I go, I told Mom, I says, TVs are all gone. She goes, where'd they go? I said, I have no idea. I put them behind the house so so you could look at them, and there, there's none left. They're all gone. Somebody came and took them. She goes, well, who would do that? I said, I have no idea. Well, later on, we find out Brian thought it was going to rain, so he put all the TVs in our motorhome. So he took all the TVs, put them in the motorhome, and didn't say nothing. Well, he he's not a good communicator now, so nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he was just trying to be helpful. No, that has changed. Um, not helpful anymore. <laughs> and the best part about that story is that I didn't know that happened. I just thought I was being helpful. The next morning I woke up and I saw your status and you were venting about how someone stole this TV from your yard that you that you wanted, even though no one would take it for free the week before. Yeah, and I actually have that status here. So, Kelsey, it was before I met you. It was 2012. August 22nd, 2012. Bob writes, on, he lists these out in numbers, one through nine. One, on Saturday, we had a rummage sale with a TV for sale, $2. Two, it didn't sell during the first couple hours, so we lowered the price to $1. Three, it still didn't sell, so we offered it for free for the rest of the rummage sale. 
four. It still didn't go. Oh my god, he says this about me. He says, first of all, Bob listed all nine points of the story in August 22nd, 2012. And then he makes a new status saying, the mystery of the stolen TV is now solved. With an even more amazing twist, one of my kids sat on the table and without being told, that's the amazing part, decided to put it in the motorhome so it wouldn't get wet. What do you mean that's the most amazing part? <laughs> why would you guys just do something without being told? Brian, why are you why are you surprised that your dad's surprised? I'm surprised. Can I just say too, like it was so good that you did that rummage sale because I remember I came to visit one weekend and I was like the only one that could fit in the garage because it was so stacked with stuff. And like Lori told me what she needed out of the garage and then I had to like monkey slash parkour my way through the garage to get it out for her. Oh, everything was packed in here. We had a six foot shiffer robe. A six foot shiffer robe we couldn't find. I mean, that's how packed it was. She wanted, <laughs> she wanted to know where the Shifero was. That's the one we keep our games in now. A Shifero? Uh, like a wardrobe. Oh, okay. Six feet high and six feet wide. And we couldn't <laughs> even find it in our garage. You couldn't find it? We had to have one of the neighborhood boys, I'm not sure which Brad, Kimmy, or who it was, crawl all over the things. Finally, he said, oh, it's over here by the window. I went back there to get something, and I had, like, one foot on a bed and then my other foot was on like a completely different bed and then like I was a like leaning table. on a table and <laughs> we didn't have the pool table then well yeah I wouldn't have been able to find it even if you did <laughs> no it would have been buried the pool table you would never find it everything we owned in that in a house was in here she needed like the most random thing too. She was like, "There's like a puzzle back there," and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, there's no way I'm gonna find <laughs> this puzzle!" Like, <laughs> okay, so Lori's getting kind of a bad rap. In fairness, she is an amazing woman, and I think she gets that from how amazing her mother was. Anyone that knew Shirley Kabianka can attest to that. Um. Dad, you said that you have a funny story about how she thought that you got a vasectomy. I don't think I've heard this one either. Well, I can tell you that story if you want to hear it. It's probably one of my favorites. Oh, I want to hear it. Okay, well, it was right after you were born. You were probably a couple months old. And Grandma Shirley, Lori's mom, used to babysit all five of you. Your two cousins and your two brothers, your brother, your sister, and you. And after you were born, I think she was getting like a little worn out. So unbeknownst to me, she asked Lori how many more kids we're going to have. And Lori says, well, Bob has a doctor's appointment later on in a week, and he's going to uh, ask about a vasectomy what's all involved. She goes, oh, okay. Now, I didn't know they had that conversation. But we did talk about a vasectomy, and I said, I'll, you know, I go, when I go in for my doctor's appointment, I'll mention it. My doctor's appointment, I had a little skin tag on my nose. Just a little tiny little tiny little skin tag and I wanted a gun. Because every time I looked down I could see it. I could see that thing. And it bothered me. So I made an appointment, went up to the clinic, and he gave me a shot at the end of my nose, waited for it to numb up. And then he uh took a little scalpel and shaved it off, cut it off, put a band aid on the end of my nose, and we talked about a vasectomy. Now, Shirley didn't know nothing about the skin tag. 
she thought I was going to go up there just to talk about a vasectomy. So I, I came back to the house to pick you up. She goes, oh, you're, you're done already? I said, yeah. She goes, what happened? I said, oh, you got rid of it. And she goes, well, can you carry, can you carry Brian? I said, well, sure I can. And she goes, you're allowed to lift things? I said, yeah. Why wouldn't I be? She goes, I don't know. I just thought you weren't allowed to lift things. She, goes, she says, uh, what'd they do? I said, well, they cut it off. She says, what? I said, yeah. They, I said, every time I looked down, I could see it. I said, every time I looked down, I could see it there. It bothered me. I didn't want to see it anymore. I was tired of looking at it. And so I finally made an appointment, and I told them, get rid of it. And she looked at me with her eyes real wide, like, oh, my God. I said, he gave me a shot at it. He gave me a shot on my, in my nose. And when it went numb, he took a scalpel and cut it off. Simple. Nothing to it. She goes, then what? I said, he put a Band-Aid on it when it stopped bleeding. So I was all done. Wow, she said, I didn't know vasectomies were like that. I said, vasectomy? <laughs> I said, I have a vasectomy. She goes, what would you have? I said, I had a skin tag cut off my nose. She goes, oh, my God. She was all embarrassed. <laughs> oh, my God. comical because we were both talking about something different. I don't know what she thought when I said, I'm tired of looking at it. I just had a doc cut it off. I don't know what, <laughs> what she must have been thinking. Oh, poor Grandma Shirley. I said, every time I look down, I can see it. Every time I looked down, meaning looked down my nose, I could see that thing. It oh, bothered gosh. Me. Every time I looked down, I see it. I want to get rid of it. <laughs> she was, I just can't imagine what she was thinking. So that was, that was one of my favorite stories, you know, that, because she was, uh, you know, Shirley was so innocent and she was so shocked. The thing is, you have so many stories. Every day of your life is a different Bob story. You remember when, we, uh, when I played high school baseball and you were our coach? And you went to, uh, we stopped at a subway shop and you went in there with oh, Justin yeah. Blake. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. We stopped in Houghton and they had all kinds of restaurants. They had a Kentucky Fried Chicken and a Taco Bell and a subway all in the same area. So the bus stopped there and the players could, and coaches could go whatever restaurant they wanted. Me and Justin Blake went to Subway. And the girl in front of me, Justin was behind me, the girl in front of me ordered a bacon sub, mayonnaise and bacon. And that's all she wanted. Yeah. And I thought, why would even, anybody oh, even pay wow. for that? But anyway, I told Justin, I said, you see that, that sub shit that girl's getting? He goes, yeah. I said, bacon, bacon and mayonnaise. So I go up there and I order for the first time ever. I always got tuna subs. I love tuna subs. I told him, put extra tuna on there. I'm going all out. I got a long 90-mile trip in front of us. I said, I want extra tuna. So... <laughs> I watched him put this tuna on. I mean, it was just, it was oozing out. Then he wrapped them, and then this girl and me walk over, and Justin Blake is ordering his sub, and we're getting our, our soda, our, our soft drinks. And she's done before me. And she goes back to the counter and grabs her sub and leaves. I finish getting my Pepsi, and I grab my sub, and I go out to the bus. And Justin Blake follows me, and we get on the bus up here. I'm going to wait till we get out of town. I'm going to wait till we get on the highway rather than all this stop-and-go traffic. I'm sitting right in front of Justin. I start opening my sub, and Justin says, Justin says, I smell bacon. I say, yeah, me too. I wonder where that's coming from. I open up my sub. I had the bacon sub. He gave the girl the wrong sub. He gave me the bacon sub. So for supper, everybody has Taco Bell and cheeseburgers and this and that. I have a 
12-inch bacon sub. And that girl that was ordered a bacon sub is now home enjoying a tuna sub with extra tuna. That girl not only stuck you with a bacon and mayo sub, but she's at home eating your double tuna deluxe. <laughs> yeah, which I paid extra for. <laughs> like, geez, so me and mom went back to that same town, I don't know, maybe three, four months later. And I said, I'm going to go in there and uh, talk to them and tell them. Maybe they'll reimburse me. So I was telling a guy, some college kid, probably high school, college, I don't know, young kid. I was telling the story how I ordered a double tuna sub and I ended up with a bacon sub by mistake. They handed me the wrong, handed a girl the wrong sub first and handed me the wrong sub second. He just kind of shook his head and said, wow, that sucks, man. I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, reimburse me. Give me a free sub, something. But no, nothing. He just kind of basically felt sorry for me. Just speaking of Grandma Shirley, because I know we were talking about her earlier before the subway story. I remember, like, there was such a time, like a period of time where we would come up there. And every time we'd come up to visit, Bob had, like, a new painting project. Like, every time we came up, he'd be like, guess what we're painting this weekend? And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, what the heck is going on? And we spent an entire Sunday painting Grandma Shirley's kitchen salmon pink. That's the color she wanted. Right? So we're painting it all weekend. And then we, like, come back two weekends later and Lori was like, oh, like, I need your help touching up Grandma Shirley's kitchen. Like, the trim of it. And I'm like, okay, another painting project. Not surprised. I mean, at this point, we painted a kitchen. We painted a boat. We painted a bus. It was a different color. We spent all Sunday painting it. And I guess somebody didn't like the paint color and they repainted the whole thing. But the reason I'm even mentioning this is didn't that happen with Lori's car? Yeah, it did. This was a, we had bought a a Jeep Cherokee, and it was tan with a black top. And we didn't like the color, but we liked the the Jeep. And my brother-in-law was, he painted cars. So this would have been Joanne's husband. He painted cars, and he offered to come to Lori's dad's house and sand her down and tape it up and paint it. And I told Lori, what color do you want? She goes, I want forest, what's, what's it called? Forest, uh, forest service green. So I went to the paint store. I told him I need forest service green paint. And he gives it to me. It's kind of a bright green. And it's not what she was thinking. But anyway, he paints a car. Did a real nice job. Waxed it up. I told her, come and look at it. She opens up the door. She says, oh my God. Uh, she didn't say nothing at first. Then my brother-in-law left. She goes, oh, I hate that color. I said, you said forest service green. She goes, no, the dark green, not the not the bright green. I said, well, geez, Lori. I said, that's, that's what you said. That's We just painted the whole car that way. She goes, can you repaint it? I said, what color? She goes, red. I said, I suppose. So we got her uncle. I didn't want to ask my brother-in-law again the next day to repaint the same car he just painted. So I got Lori's uncle, who also did mechanic work. And... uh we sand her down a little bit and tape it up and paint it red. And it looked nice. And then uh, we took it to my sister's house a couple of days later. We pull in the yard, and out comes my brother-in-law, and he's looking. He goes, is that another Jeep? I said, no. He <laughs> goes, did I just paint that green? 
<laughs> yeah, but Larry, Larry didn't like that. She wanted a red. He goes, oh, my God, I never heard of that. So he was a little, little amazed when he's looking at the Jeep thinking we bought two of them. Well, I'm guessing a car is a little bit more difficult to repaint than a kitchen, but now you can imagine my surprise when I was like, wait a second, this is not the color we painted this kitchen. <laughs> well, that, the story on that Jeep, then we drove it for a couple of years, and we finally decided to get rid of it. It had some rust holes in it, and dust was getting in it, and I advertised it for like $1,500. Couldn't get it, dropped it to like 1200 and then 1000 and then... Finally, a friend of ours, uh, Louis Giacchino, offers me like 300 bucks, and I said, ah, what the heck, go ahead and take it. It was a four-wheel drive Jeep. It still ran, but it was body was pretty bad. So he pays me 300 bucks. I'm thinking it's better than nothing. So about a, a week later, I'm going driving to Wakefield, and there's this red Jeep parked alongside the road. And I'm thinking, that's our old Jeep. I must have broke down on him. I got rid of it just in time. So I call him up. I says, is that, is that the Jeep I sold you on the side of the road? He goes, yeah. I said, what happened? He goes, the brakes went. It has no brakes. I said, wow, that's too bad. He goes, oh, no, it worked out pretty good. Some guy saw it, pulled up, looked at it, called me up, offered me 1500 bucks for it. I told him it has no brakes. He goes, that's okay. I'll fix the brakes. I says, I couldn't. I said, I, I practically gave that thing away. And here it is, broke down on the side of the road. I had it all shined up in, in my yard, looking pretty good, as good as possible. I said, and here's broke down the side of the road, and you get 1500 for it? He said, yeah. He said, the guy offered me. I told him what was wrong with it. I think 1500 is coincidentally the price that you paid for the Achieva twice. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the car I had to get myself a parking ticket on. Yeah, I bought the, <laughs> bought the Achieva for Bobby Joe when she was a senior. Then after she, I think after she graduated, she bought herself a car, and I was my plans were to give this to Brian. She goes, "You can't give it to Brian. I was going to sell it to pay for my car I just bought." I said, "Well, you can't. I, you don't own that car. I do." She goes, "Yeah, but I was going to sell it." So I had to buy it from her. I had to buy the same car twice. I bought it for Bobby Joe, then I bought it from Bobby Joe. And what do you mean about the parking ticket? Well. She was, uh, kids used to park in a courthouse parking lot, and the county commissioner, or the county controller, uh, Julianne Chiquito, would call us up and say, the kids are taking up all the parking spots, because, you know, the Mesmer doesn't have that many parking spots. And she'd call us up, and then we'd have to go to the school, call the school, and tell the school, tell the kids to come over and move their cars. And whoever's on day shift had to do that. So she called up one time. She goes, I'm sick of this. There's no place to park. We got a jury trial today. The parking lot's full, and there's cars over there. I want them cars ticketed. So sheriff tells me, go over there and ticket whatever car you see on the kids. Maybe the rest will get the message. So I go over there. The only car there parked is my daughter's car, Bobby Joe. It's parked there. I'm thinking, geez. So I run a license plate. <laughs> it comes back to me because I own the car. So I write myself a parking ticket. <laughs> then I walk to the courthouse and I pay it. And Julianne Giacchino says, well, what are you doing? I says, you wanted a car ticketed, so I ticketed it. I gave it a parking ticket. Now I'm paying it. She goes, whose car is it? I says, well, Bobby Joe drives it, but it's my car. And I'm just following your instructions. So I'm probably one of the few cops in the country to wrote himself a ticket. Bobby Joe probably never even knew. Oh, she knew. 
And I told her, so we had, I, at lunchtime, I called her, I told her, don't park over there. I, the owner just got a ticket. She goes, who? I said, me. Did you got a ticket? I said, I wrote it myself. I wrote myself a ticket because you're parked in a parking lot. I said, don't park there anymore. And Brian was good for Brian because he was always so late for school that the, the courthouse parking lot was full by the oh time he got God. to school. I was just going to say, Brian, don't start laughing because I interned at the courthouse and I heard plenty of stories of how you used to speed through that parking lot to get to school every morning. Not through the parking lot, down the street. There was a, there was a room for probably 20 cars to park on the street. There had, the school didn't have a parking lot. And every day, about 7.15, 7.30, the kids would start that drove cars would come in Angle Park on the street, and school started at 10 to 8. And every single day, at like 12 minutes to 8, here comes this little white Achieva flying down the road, expecting to find a parking spot. And I told him later, I said, I don't know why you would come that way, Brian. There's no parking spots available at 12 minutes to 8. They're all, they're all filled by 7.20, 7.30. But he'd come flying through there, looking for a spot. Not flying, but driving through there. Ends up parking down by the bakery, and then every morning I'd watch him sprint for two blocks to get to school on time. He'd be in a full sprint. I thought, why don't you just leave five minutes sooner? But he never did. All year I watched him. All right, the next time I have a guest on here, it's not going to be someone that can uh, take your side about the whole Brian being late thing, Kels. Well, that would, that, that would eliminate almost everybody you know. <laughs> yeah, you're pretty screwed on that one, Brian. You're going to have to get a stranger on there. I have like a thousand stories I want to hear, but I know we don't have all the time in the world, but I think we're definitely going to have to have a Bob episode too one day because this doesn't even cover half of them, not even a quarter of them. My two all-time favorites are when you lost your swim trunks in the Plover wave pool. That was embarrassing. And, and then when you bought the screen door from a farmer and... He sat in your car with uh, dripping goat manure all over your truck. Those are my two favorite. We're not going to get into them. We don't have time. If anyone is listening and wants to hear those, let me know because we'll make sure that we get Bob on again if he's willing. Yeah, that'd be fine. And we're definitely going to have to touch on the meatball mystery one of these days as well. That wasn't as bad this year, but still a mystery. And we'll leave it at that. Thanks for joining, Bob. Thanks for having me.